Hey everybody, Dave Hagen here. I recently heard that a quarter of all the millennials have amassed $100,000. Nice piece of work. But let's talk about that today on the Financial Wellness Podcast. Welcome to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to the financial success. Here is your host, financial problem solver and talk show host, Dave Hagan. Hey, thank you, Nick. Welcome, everybody, to the Financial Wellness Podcast, or the TFWP, as we like to call it. In fact, we've got the website called the thefinancialwellnesspodcast.com, and we're going to change that. I don't know if you knew this, Brian. We're going to change that to tfwp.com just a little easier to deal with right there you go as everybody can tell today with me as always mr brian reed welcome brian thanks for having me dave always good to have you here you know i was looking on the internet kind of kicking around and i came across this new report from bank of america and uh this report was showing that millennials which are a good portion of our listeners are saving more and their money habits are improving so i was happy to hear that and i dug into that report and uh, went to the uh, Bank of America website. And they've got this report called the 2020 Better Money Habits Millennial Report. And they explored the money mindset of today's young adults, which I guess is ages 24 through 41. And it revealed some of their financial priorities, some of the trade-offs they're willing to make, some of the stressors that they're having, and how they're balancing it all along the way. So I'm thinking, why does Bank of America, which is like one of the banks that I use, why do they go through this report and do this survey and uh, go through all this effort? Well, they're, they're trying to understand better where young adults are doing financially, how they're doing financially, what they're going through. And they're trying, of course, to, uh, when they publish it, uh, push the millennials to their better money habits Uh, portion of their website. Basically, they're trying to drive millennials to their personal finance website. And I I guess I'm okay with that, as long as they're giving me interesting and useful information uh, in support of our quest here uh, at TFWP to uh, uh, move people, help people move along to financial success. So here are some really interesting uh, findings. We're talking about millennials. Millennials, remember. The first set of questions or the first set of findings had to deal with savings. And they found that 25% of millennials have $100,000 in savings, up 16% from just two years ago. Way to go. Nice piece of work, millennials. $100,000 in savings. They found that 60%, which included the 25%, obviously, had $15,000 or more in savings, again, up 10% from two years ago, and that 73% of millennials are saving something, up 10% from just two years ago. So the savings component of millennial finance is getting much better. Way to go. Of course, that also means that 
27% are still not saving, but that's, you know, uh, what do you say? Look on the bright side? Well, sure. And most of these millennials are still living with their parents. So, yeah, well, you know, that's why they have the bigger savings accounts. I, I hope that they're, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I mean, I hope if you're going to spend some time living with your parents that you're saving some money, right? You got to make some, um, you know, make the hay while the hay's worth making, right? So, um, from a savings point of view, I think that's wow, that's pretty good. That's pretty admirable. I'm, I'm sure it's all because they're listening to TFWP. Oh, it's all you, Dave. It's all me. Well, mm-hmm. us, right? Mm-hmm. All us, you know. And it, it's it's uh, the information, but the but the more important reason, it's the jokes. It's the jokes. It's the jokes and the and the laughing, you know. So savings goals. Here were some interesting findings. They found that retirement was the top goal. With 75 people, 75% citing that their main priority was retirement, at least according to the report, I think that, uh, you know, that makes sense. That makes sense. Well, that matches up with um, what we've done earlier in the the fire movement and all that. Sure, sure. Exactly, exactly. And for those of you that uh, uh, don't know what that is, go back to some prior episodes. There's one that's called Catch Fire or Catching Fire. Catching Fire, You know, I think we've we've talked about it a couple times. Um, A big movement. And um, it's becoming more and more important. I think that, uh, you know, this makes sense as, as more employers are making retirement savings more seamless and automatic. I mean, even the, the, the Cal Savers thing that we talked about some mm-hmm. years ago, um, it's becoming easier and people are saving money through 401k plans. And I think that that's important and it helps, especially, especially, especially if you've got a 401k plan at work where the employer has to match because mm-hmm. you're getting free money, you're getting another 3% or whatever it is. Uh, it's free money. So I think that that's great. Another 42% said that their savings were earmarked for travel while getting into a first home was the main goal for 32%. Now, the interesting thing to me, Brian, was that it was more important or there was a larger group of people that were saving for travel as opposed to getting into a home. That's the millennial mindset, I yeah. think. Yeah, experience over possession. Over possessions. Which I mean, is, and that matches up again with that whole fire movement is they don't want to work. You know, and that makes sense. They're going to work now. They're going to save and save, 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 save. Right. So they can get out of the work field right. faster. Right. No, I mean, I get that. I get that. And um, it also fits in with our, you know, five steps for financial success, mm-hmm. where we didn't say that acquiring a house was necessarily one of those elements. because. There are people, apparently millennials, that uh, don't think that's too important. In fact, only a third of the millennials thought that their savings was important um, in terms of getting into a house. Interesting. They want to travel. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Can't blame them. Yeah. Yeah. World's kind of interesting. Yeah. Well, I, I wouldn't know. <laughs> <laughs> I was working. You know, I I didn't get to Europe to two years ago. Can you believe wow. that? Wow. Yeah, that's pretty. I didn't know that. Yeah, that that's a that's a pretty sheltered way of looking at life. And um, frankly, that's not good. Yeah, but we do live in California. Yeah, that's that's true. That's true. Um, I remember we were on the airplane coming back from uh, from Europe, and we just been through areas in the Mediterranean, like Venice and Florence, mm-hmm. and I mean all these places, Barcelona. Um, and I was listening to the then president Obama say, you know, we, we have a lot to be, uh, you know, satisfied about our country's been around, you know, for like 220 (laughs) years. And I'm thinking, 
Barack, Barack. I just saw the David statue that was carved like 2,000 years ago. They walked me by the alleged remains of St. Mark from 2,000 years ago. I've seen stuff that's like way older than 225 years. A different sense of perspective is my point. Mm -hmm. A more healthy sense of perspective, I think, is is my point. So um, uh, interesting, interesting stuff. Um, Debt. Debt findings. Mm-hmm. You know, I, again, we said twenty-five percent of the millennials aren't saving anything at all, and uh, our hope is that you know people will listen to our podcast. Maybe people start saving a little bit more. Uh, things will be a little bit healthier all the way around. You know, the finding they they had a finding that over three quarters of the millennials are saddled with debt, and sixteen percent of the millennials hold more than fifty thousand in debt, not including mortgages. So these are people that are holding big bags of debt, and I'll bet you what I know when that debt is, right? Okay. Student loans. Student loans. The uh-huh. student loan. I mean, just it, it, it keeps getting worse yeah. and worse and worse. So um, the findings were that uh, you know debt is keeping millennials from meeting milestones. Well, that that's true, and it's uh, more than three-quarters of millennials who are carrying debt say it prevents them from achieving their personal uh, financial goals, and and that's true too. I mean, you listen to some of the political candidates um, that want to forgive all the student loan debt, and you say, well, and the one thing that they point to first and foremost is, look, it is preventing a large segment of our society from pursuing their financial goals, from buying houses, from buying cars, from even going out and and being able to travel or do some of these other things. Mm-hmm. Therefore, cutting into the the spending of the country and and. Uh, preventing the, the the economy from expanding because they're not able to go out and buy goods and services. They're, they're paying off debt. You know, the finding was that 42% aren't able to buy a home and 21% are putting off getting married and another 21% are delaying having a, a, a baby and that others are waiting longer to start a business and or to move on to a more satisfying job. Um, there was a finding that debt's keeping 18% from living on their own without support from their family or friends. So debt's keeping people in mom and dad's basement. Mm -hmm. Um, Probably not a good thing in the long term. (laughs) So, you know, if if you're struggling with debt, any of our listeners out there, you know, we don't have to tell you, but it's it's very hard to get a hold of that, that, that struggle. It's hard to get a hold of that curve. And that's why... You know, debt being the killer that it is, it's why we emphasize it so much on, on the TFWP. Some some other interesting findings. Um, one was that over the past year, thirty nine percent. I want to get to I want to get to the good stuff. I want to get back mm-hmm. to the good stuff. I want to dwell <laughs> on the the stuff that needs improvement. Although that needs to be mentioned. But over the past year, there was a finding that thirty nine percent of the millennials boosted their credit score. You know, we've talked about that before. We're not big fans of of credit and your credit score, but if it's something that you can improve, okay. 29% secured a raise, loving that, loving that. One third of the millennials got a raise, digging it. And 24% put more away for retirement. A good, again, another good, optimistic, uh, wonderful thing for a group of millennials uh, to achieve. Um, another finding was that millennial saving for retirement started doing that at 24 years old, earlier than the Gen Xers and the, and the baby boomers. 
So that's a good thing. You know, the millennials are thinking about retirement. They're thinking about money that's going to uh, potentially double every seven years, um, getting on to that and creating a, uh, another cycle at the end of their life where their money can potentially double. And when money is compounding, it's the last cycle that's the most powerful, you know? So they're getting into that sooner, and I hope that they're, they're understanding that. Um, there was a finding that 90% of millennials are willing to make sacrifices to achieve a financial goal, including cutting back on dining and eliminating vacations. Mm-hmm. Bummer. <laughs> but good for them for willing to do it. But I could see cutting back on dining allowed a little bit, you know, um, but eliminating vacations, eliminating vacations, like, you know, I just told you, I didn't, I didn't travel much uh, the first part of my life. So I think that that's too bad. But if they're willing to do it so they can take more vacations later. Later on. Yeah. yeah. Everything is a, you know, is a gamble. You know, you can work hard in the beginning and hope you're around. Yeah. To yeah. enjoy it later on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's a gamble. It's a gambit, you know. Uh, another finding was more than half regularly check their account balances and track their expenses. Uh, duh. I mean, uh, I hope so. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's, we're so about that, um, that I hope that more and more millennials are doing that. And there was a finding that 46% pay their credit cards in full each month. Again, I, I hope so. That, that's, I mean, most of this, most of this survey, most of the findings were really optimistic. I'm really liking it. Brian, we're yeah, like, we're, like, we're like knocking it out <laughs> of the park with the TFWP, man. I wonder, uh. I wonder if the move towards travel yeah. is because of the internet. Yeah. I mean, when you and I were, you know, growing up. Right. We had, like, I had an Encyclopedia Britannica. Me too. And there were... No, we had a Funkin' Wagnalls. Oh, I don't know what that is. Oh, it's the one that you bought at the supermarket. We weren't, we weren't that well-to-do that, oh. we, that, we, <laughs> that we had a Britannica. That was like, uh, that was like middle class. I think we were... We were something other. Uh-huh. We had a Funkin' Wagnalls. But if there's, you know, with the exposure to these places that, I mean, like we had TV. Yeah. And, but everything you saw on TV would be, it's kind of an ethereal place. It's, it's so far away. But yeah. I wonder, there's the internet. You can go there directly. You can see what other people are doing. Right. Maybe that's, you know, the world has shrunk because of the internet. And you can see video and, and video conveys a more emotional, visceral image um, of or, why you want to go to Bali or right, something like that. Exactly. Exactly. Why you and want to go see you. the Mona Lisa. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. I, you know, I, I think you're right. It's a smaller world. And as much as it's cool to see it on the internet, it's nothing like being there in person. You know? Did, and, did you know that the David, like one of his arms is bigger than the other? And it was supposed to like show the authority or the power of God or something like that? I didn't. I mean, it, I don't think I knew that. You look. You look at it, and it's it. it, it or the proportions are off. The intention. Purpo- the proportions were intentionally yeah, off. I think I knew that, but I didn't. I forgot what it was. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you you, you look at it, and you go, oh, I never. And you don't really pick that up from a picture. And mm-hmm. and, and by the way, he's mostly naked too. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, just little little tidbits here and there when you when you learn to to travel around, you know. Um, there was a finding that said that an overwhelming number of the millennials would rather buy a smaller house than a larger home at the top of their budget. And over half said that 
they would opt to stay in a less desirable job with higher pay than move to a more desirable job with lower pay. So, I mean, there's there's some push and some pull here. Yeah, a lot of them, are, again, it's that fire movement. They want to get out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they'll, they'll, they'll take a higher paying, less satisfying job for a more intense, shorter period of time to have a longer time at the end and right. roll the dice they don't get hit by a bus. Right, right, right. Yeah, well, I mean, when I was younger, I was willing to plan on living forever too, right? <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was a different mentality for us. Certainly a different mentality because, uh, again, the thought was, you know, go to college, work for a company 30 years, get your pension. I mean, there aren't even pensions, pensions that long anymore. Yeah. So a different world, a different world. I think the study gives us a real... I uh, world's eye view into what the thinking of the you know the millennial goals are changing yeah no and and for the most part for the most part good I mean we talked about some kind of bummer kind of down things but for the Mm -hmm. most part good trends trends that I'm really pleased to see people pursuing well done good job millennials we're sure it's all because you've been listening to TFWP, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We'll take all of the credit. <laughs> this is Dave Hagan, and you've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast. You've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to financial success. If you have a question that you would like Dave to answer on the podcast, go to thefinancialwellnesspodcast.com. You can leave an audio message with one click of a button or type your message into the question box. Either way, it's sent right to Dave's phone. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you receive the new episode notifications. Let's listen in now as Dave answers some emails. All right. Brian tells me that he's got a showdy. It is a surety, but I think it can be a goodie. Um, This is from uh, one of our listeners named Todd, and he writes in, Hi, Dave. I'm 25 and looking into life insurance policies. Do you recommend term or whole? Please advise. Thanks, Todd. Well, Todd, how about this? Um, Whole or life? How about none? (laughs) How about none? I mean, you have someone talk to you, you know, someone who sells insurance, and they're telling you you got to have this. And how about none? And think about it this way. Um, if if you're thinking about a whole life, that's more of an investment vehicle. And yes, someone can pencil out on a piece of paper with a you know what how it makes sense that it that it that it accrues value tax free. But I think you're better off putting some money in the in the market um, in a you know in a mutual fund or an ETF and uh, following. Uh, you know, following the market, not necessarily an insurance company. Uh, I don't think you're going to get as much return. And I think you can do you can do better if you're trying to save your money. And I think it would be more liquid. And I don't think you're going to end up paying a commission or a load. So um, if if whole life is what you're thinking about, think about something else. Maybe I'm not a fan of, of whole life. Now, term's a different thing. Term is really insurance. And term insurance pays if you pass away. But but Todd, you're 25. Who is relying upon you for financial security? Now, if you got a kid, yeah, absolutely. If you got a spouse that doesn't work, yeah, 
you need a term policy. And we've said over and over, you want to get a policy that, you know, that pays, uh, you know, 10, 12 times your, your annual income. So if something happens to you, your spouse or your kid have some type of financial security. But other than that, why? You know, I, I see people who go out and buy term insurance and they, you know, they're insuring like, you know, Uncle Ned or Aunt Tilly. Well, why? They're not relying upon you for support. If something happens to you, they're going to be just fine. In fact, sometimes they might even be just happy that you're not around no more, <laughs> you know? So um, I think that those are two very limited, limited circumstances. And... Um, uh, I'm, I'm not a fan of whole, and, and if you don't have anyone that's dependent upon you, take the money that you otherwise would have spent and, and put it in a bank account or, or put it in a mutual fund or a, you know an ETF and, and, and let it ride and let it grow. And uh, from years from now, after it's doubled two, three, four, five times, you'll be a, a happy, happy camper that you sent this email in and we, we kept you away from buying a whole uh, bag full of insurance. Yeah, I don't think... I don't think he has any dependents or else usually people add that in the emails. Yeah. You know, my wife and kid or something. So I'm wondering if he just got, you know, an insurance ad got to him. Yeah. And he thinks he needs it. Yeah. You know, I've, I, I've seen these policies. People come in, they go, well, this, you know, this is, uh, this is to pay for the funeral. And I go, well, great. You know, I mean, um, statistics show that the average funeral is $8,000 these days, which is way too much. It can't cost $8,000 to take someone on a boat and throw them into the ocean or, you know, put them in a box and bury it. I mean, it, it that, that seems like an awful lot. It seems like off, an awfully extravagant kind of circumstance. But, um, you know, I mean, if, if you got 8,000 um, bucks, they can use that money to pay for your funeral. Or if your your family really likes you, they can pay for the funeral. <laughs> you know, may, or of course, maybe they'll just throw you out at the, in the ocean. Who knows? But um, I don't see where you need a policy necessarily for that either. And I've seen people, you know, sold on these policies and oh, financial security or what if, what if, what? I don't know. Let's think it through very clearly. What that insurance policy is supposed to do? Let's let's have a very clear eye as we're thinking about it, and then decide whether you want to buy it. And many times you don't. I'd rather see you save that money and, and make that part of your, you know, your, the, the future extravagance in your life where you've got a big pile of cash that you can live on or a big pile of cash that's generating, uh, uh, you know, interest that you can live on and, and you'll have a good time. Hey, just go on a cruise. Don't, don't buy it. Don't buy a whole life positive. Go, uh, don't, don't, don't ensure your death. Just go on a cruise, right? Compound interest. I know, right? We love it. We, we love, love that. Compound interest. So not a big fan of the insurance. I hope that helps, Todd, and maybe that'll keep you from making a, uh, you know, a, a big mistake in terms of insurance. Um, don't don't have your insurance guy call me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we could have him on the show, but don't have him call me. I, I don't want to argue with an insurance person. And and there is a there is a point there is a point in the time for certain types of insurance. But I think sometimes we're oversold a little bit in in this arena hope that helps todd thanks for writing in all right tune in next week we're going to talk about a couple more more lengthy uh emails we've got an audio email and uh, an international email our first email from offshore we're, we're international now you're all listening to an international show everybody so that's a wrap have a great week and you've been listening to the financial wellness podcast 
You've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to financial success. If you have a question that you would like Dave to answer on the podcast, go to thefinancialwellnesspodcast.com. You can leave an audio message with one click of a button or type your message into the question box. Either way, it's sent right to Dave's phone. Remember, Dave will randomly draw from the submitted questions and pick the winner of a free one-hour personal conversation with Dave to help you achieve your financial goals. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you receive the new episode notifications or share the podcast via the app with your family and friends. This is your announcer, Nick Appel, wishing you every financial success.